Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast is brought to you by Becker Furniture World, Franzen Bank and Trust, Menards, and Carrier. Hey, welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps Podcast, uh, Wednesday recording edition. Uh, my name is David Levake. I am joined by the one and only Jim Paulson. What's going on, Jim? Oh, I'm, am I the one and only? You know, I've noticed in the past, if I've Googled my name and who hasn't Googled their name at some point, there's a few more Jim Paulsons out there than I, I imagined. Matter of fact, there's one very well-known Jim Paulson who's a, uh, a financial analyst, a big-time financial analyst. And uh, I would certainly be willing to trade salaries with him. <laughs> I wouldn't mind. That's a little identity identity theft you could support, huh? Yeah, really. You know, you know, we, we can maybe, maybe we can just support each other. You know, I'll I'll write good things about him, and he'll pay me to do it. I was going to say you have a platform that he doesn't. So that that's, that's uh, the world's worst journalist has a better platform than the world's best accountant or financial services person. You know, although he has made he's made plenty of news because he was I think he was a big 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 for Wells Fargo and others. So uh, okay. if anybody out there wants to confuse me with him, I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> we'll talk financial advice after. Are there the show. are there are there any other David Levakes out there? I don't think so. Um, and yeah, I've, yeah, I've Googled my name as well. And, and uh, it's my, my last name is a little bit challenging in the sense that technically there's a space between the LA and then the V-A-Q-U-E. Um, I, I've, so I've Googled it with the space, which I like, that's the way I use it in my byline for the Star Tribune. I've also Googled it without the space. Um, and I, I, I don't recall seeing any uh, David LeBakes out there. Um, but Now that last name is French, isn't it? Is that we, French? So La, is that, mm-hmm. like, uh, um, when I, I guess I'm not, I can't come up with the, the term for the, the grammatical term for it, but then that like the or a, uh, I mean, what is a vake? Sure. I, 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 I don't know. I don't okay. Know. I didn't, I didn't know if a vake was something. I used to be a, I used to be a, a, a Walgreens employee and I was helping out in the pharmacy. And of course, when the customer comes up, you ask their last name and she said, Levake. And I looked at her really strange and I said, that's my name. And then I went looking for her prescription and I wasn't able to find it. And I don't even know what prompted me to say, well, how do you spell it? Cause I was thinking, you know, space or no space might've been. And she actually had like a couple of E's extra E's in there. I think she had an S in there somewhere. So it, it was spelled very differently, but it was pronounced the same, uh, which I, I thought was kind of fascinating. So, I uh, and I got an aunt that's into genealogy, and she traced us back over to Europe. And I guess I'm a distant, distant relative of Charlemagne. All right, and I'm also a distant relative of people that were hung for being horse thieves. There you go. So I, I'd like to think I'm somewhere between. Yeah. Every time I ask my mother what the the um, my heritage is, my genealogy, where where we came from, she runs off this this litany of of um, countries and nationalities. I think, wow, really, either our, either my, my relatives got around a little bit or they were, they were nomads, gypsies. I don't know what they did, you know, but it's like Scotch, Irish, French, Norwegians, like, holy cow. My, my, my uh, ancestors traveled a bit. We're all spawned by some mixture of a thousand European madmen. That's, that's just kind of what it boils down to. I'm going to use that, the well-spawned <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's of, my new 
Twitter uh, well spawned. There you go. Speaking of names, uh, let's let's segue into volleyball because we got some names that mean a lot more. Uh, you know, this week you you uh, as you do you coordinated and published our all uh, all Tribune our Star Tribune all Metro volleyball team, and so that was me being the setter. Now there's your ball, Jim. So you get to be the outside hitter and, and, and drive this home about how we got here and, and, and who these people are and why they're on this list. The, the first thing to say about this, this team is that I, this year I will uh, cop to the fact that I didn't see a single minute of live volleyball um, mm-hmm. because of, you know, restrictions to begin with. And then you only had two people in a, uh, per athlete in the gym. And I don't think we went out and specifically covered any volleyball. So this was a team derived solely from nominations and what I already knew about uh, high school volleyball. And I think it was pretty representative of, of the year we had. The consensus best player in the state, um, Kennedy Orr at Egan, didn't get a chance to play. She was our last year's Metro Player of the Year. She didn't play a, a, a minute, I don't think, because of a knee injury that she suffered in club volleyball prior to the season. Um, and so it, it became a more wide open race for the Metro player of the year. And that was, uh, ended up being Lauren Crowell, uh, the uh, six foot four left-handed uh, right side hitter from uh, Eastview. And, and as largely because she had developed her game as not just being a powerful figure at the net. I mean, there's a few others that were big hitters, but she also developed her game as in defensively serve, receive digs, things like that, being a six rotation player. And if you know volleyball, six rotation means you never leave the court. A lot of times the big front row players will come off the, when, when it's their turn to go to the back row. In uh, Lauren's case, she made herself into a complete all-around player, which is going to help her a lot when she uh, ends up at the University of Minnesota uh, when she gets out of school. So, um, yeah, she was a, a, very, a very, I think it was a very solid choice. And uh, there's a lot of outside hitters this year. Um, Ava Moe's at Lakeville South, a big name. She's going to Tennessee. Julia Hansen at uh, Prior Lake, who has got a 35-inch vertical. And if you see the picture of her online, um, you can see how high that, that vertical is. The, uh, the action shot, she's got her head well above the net. And you know, so and she's going to be at the University of Minnesota as well. Um, Kira Fallert is going to the University of Northern Iowa. It's a big-time player and uh, has a a uh, family history of being a good volleyball player. And uh, Lauren Galvin at Eastridge, who's going to play at Concordia St. Paul, which has always been a top-notch Division II program. Some big hitters. Best setter in the state was uh, Emma Torstensen at Northfield, who's going to play at the University of Colorado. And that's kind of a thankless job being a libero, or I, I said setter, I mean libero or defensive specialist, because you don't get a chance to really hit. Um, defensive specialist does get a chance to hit if they can, but a libero is forbidden from doing so. So to be good and stand out as a libero is, a, is, a, is something else. And then setters, uh, Tegan Starkey of uh, Lakeville South, who is uh, a coach on the floor and benefits from the fact that her father, Brady, is the head coach at said Concordia St. Paul. And I think was recently um, inducted into the Volleyball Hall of Fame. So it's, it's a pretty representative group. And, you know, Minnesota, we've always talked about Minnesota being a good volleyball state. I, I I think that was a, a very, very representative team and, and don't have any qualms about it. Well, there's, there's something about this team that's a little different than the norm. You have seven players instead of the traditional six, and, and Torstensen was, was kind of the reason for that, correct? I mean, yeah, because, uh, you know, obviously we look at 
six players on the court at one time. And so that's why we always went with, with teams of six or soccer, 11, or baseball, nine, what have you. But I've likened it to in baseball where you have a starter, uh, a starting nine, and then a uh, designated hitter who is a valuable part of the team offensively. So it means you actually have 10 starters. And in volleyball, because you have a defensive specialist slash libero who uh, only plays back row, um, they have to come out of the game for at least one rotation before they can come back in when, when they'd have to move to the front row. So that means that you generally have seven players that you could consider starters on your team. And the defensive specialist, the libero, is a somebody who is a um, valuable, valuable part of the team and, and ind- indisposable to so many of these teams that I think that uh, it made sense to have a seventh this year, particularly with the quality that uh, uh, Emma Torstenson brought. She's as good a all as good a defensive player as you'll find in the state. And, and she, I mean, you get a scholarship to a, a university of Colorado as a defensive player. Uh, that's, that's a big time um, scholarship. It's a big time program. So uh, sure. it, it makes sense to go with seven players this year. You've repeatedly made mention of where these young ladies are heading for college. Uh, I think that brings us to uh, the larger signing day, uh, which is happening next week, National Signing Day, particularly for football. Football grabs all the headlines. I always feel a little bad because you go to these signing day ceremonies and and it's all about the football. And oh, by the way, there's a soccer player or something down the road, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that you know clearly deserves their moment in the sun. But it's but it's at the same time, it's it's kind of football drives a lot of the attention and everything else. The ESPN isn't doing the uh, multiple hats on the desk of a soccer player. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of football dominated. Um, we're we're putting together our our super preps package to to advance signing day. Uh, that's something we've uh, done traditionally to shed a little light on, on Minnesota's top college bound prospects. And uh, uh, what is there to, uh, to mention um, as far as uh, who's at the top of that list and who we should be uh, dialed into uh, either because it's worth noting where they're going or, or someone that mean, maybe we don't yet know where they're off to and we'll be tuned in to find out where they're going to decide to go. Well, this is this next Wednesday is actually the 16th is actually strictly a football signing day. Oh, it is just football? Okay. But yeah, in, the the early, past, in the past, there's been others that I've seen. Yeah. Okay. And the, the early signing period in November is for every sport but other than football. And you can doesn't mean you can't sign with a sport later on, but it's the first day of the early signing period for football only. And, and as well for uh, junior college and transfers as well. But um, so that, that's and because football is kind of the big dog in the whole recruiting thing. I mean, basketball as well. I guess you can throw basketball in there too, but you know, football recruiting really takes precedence. And so uh, sports that have that many um, players and that many scholarships, what is it, 80 scholarships at a D1 Power 5 school, an FBS school. Um, so I might be, I might be too much. I might be, it might be more in the 60s. I'm, I'm not sure right now, but yeah, there's a lot of kids committing. The big thing coming up this year though, however, is um, we've got a university right in town here that's making the transition from division three to division one and a number of kids that are, are going to be committing to the University of St. Thomas when they make that transition. They'll be having their first year in uh, uh, the Pioneer League, I believe it is. Um, and so there'll be a number of kids that will be signing scholarship offers, national letters of intent to go to, uh, to the University of St. Thomas. And that's, uh, that's going to be kind of a big deal because um, there will be some kids that had D1 offers um, from other schools that would be headed to St. Thomas. 
And so uh, we'll definitely uh, be talking a little bit about, about those kids as well. But we do have a number of Minnesotans going to the top big time schools. Um, guys like Riley Mallman at Lakeville South going to Wisconsin. Jake Ratzloff, our Metro Player of the Year, also going to Wisconsin. Devin Eastern, the defensive lineman from Shakopee going to the University of Minnesota. Logan Purcell, the, uh, the all-around lineman, both offensive and defensive from Annandale, also going to Minnesota. Um, Justice Sullivan, uh, the defensive end linebacker from Eden Prairie that missed much of the year with an, uh, with an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain, going to the University of Iowa. So there's a lot of good kids out there. Um, and you've got a few that haven't really committed yet. Devon Townley at Minneapolis North. He's a defensive end, but he's also got an awful lot of uh, college offers as a basketball player as well. Hasn't made his commitment yet, at least as far as I know. Uh, sometimes I find myself a little bit late to the game in these. And uh, somebody uh, uh, announced it last night, and I didn't see the announcement. So Yeah, right, right. We're watching. We're watching. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it'll be an interesting day. I don't, there, there's not as much drama as there used to be. We had have a kid be... Realizing their commitment and picking up the hat from the table where they're going to go. Um, but you know, it's still a big day for a lot of these college kids. Yeah, and we'll have a lot of coverage uh, in advance. You mentioned the St. Thomas and, and, and them entering the fray. That'll be part of it. Uh, Megan Ryan, our colleague, she'll have coverage of the Gophers signing class. We'll have capsules for what do we have? Nine top kids this year that we designated yep. as our super preps class. So that'll be, and then of course, in, in, in uh, Thursdays, paper we'll we'll have a recap of, of what we learned from from signing day uh do we have a little time for some breaking news here on the talking press podcast absolutely go ahead right. the, the 10 finalists for the 2020 mr football award have been just been released uh yes i saw that uh, email came to what you and i were talking so we'll rattle them off here uh Shay, and feel free to jump in with any intel you have because a lot of these are metro kids and, and even the ones that there's a couple that aren't that are still i think we we know something about so Shay albrick from orino uh joe alt from Tatino grace uh, joe is going to be one of our super preps yeah and you know the son of uh john alt the terrific um lineman out of columbia heights that played at iowa and played a uh, long time for the kansas city chiefs and brother of former golfer hockey player mark alt yeah the, the black sheep of the family <laughs> well i talked to joe alt and uh and uh terrific kid and you know COVID has kept him he's going to be he's going to notre dame he has never still never seen a game at notre dame usually wow. that the whole the whole recruiting package and the whole yeah put on and to see again that he's, he's he's been there he's seen the campus once but he's never seen a game there so uh, it'll be interesting for him to actually going there, but to actually experience his first game there, he's excited. Let's put on Rudy. That'll get you pretty close. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cameron <laughs> Anderson. Yeah, well, the, the, see, the, the, the crowd and all that, that's, that was yeah. all, you know. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Cam, right. Cameron Anderson from Blue Earth area. Uh, this is one, Trey Feeney from Moorhead. Boy, I would have loved to have seen him come to town for, I assume, a deep playoff run. You know, I, yesterday, the uh, got the uh, voting package from uh, Associated Press for all state voting, and uh, while Ratzloff was our Metro Player of the Year, I uh, I'll, I'll go on record as saying I voted for Trey Feeney, the Maury quarterback, as the uh, the AP Player of the Year, and uh, I would vote for him as Mister Football too. He's, he's had a terrific year for Moorhead. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen him play. Uh, Nick Flashcamp from Minneapolis Southwest. 
Uh, we've he, he's the well the well chronicled Nick Slash Camp. He's, he's yeah, been, he, uh, yeah. He's but that's all right. You know, we we love it with the Southwest guys, the city guys. Get a little pub. That that's that's I have no problem with that. They've, he's he's earned it. He's a warrior. Um, Marcus Hansen from Wasika. Eli Mao from Chanhassen, who I know I had him on my first team defense and, and Flash Camp for that matter too. Yeah. Uh, that rats that some rats loft. I don't know. I've never haven't heard of him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Garrison Soliday, St. Thomas County. Boy, do I like watching him play. He is just a just an absolute house wrecker inside and the interior defensive line. And they said they maybe stood him up at times this year for kind of a linebacker look. But boy, when he's down there and that three or four point, he's coming hard at the center and guard. Yeah. Solid a terrific player. Um he's the uh he's the high school version of uh Aaron Donald of uh of the Rams. He plays that same style. He's got good balance, strong, quiet fit, quick, fast off the ball. It's a terrific, terrific player. Hello, Paul. Are you hearing me? I can hear you, Jim. I'm having. I haven't heard. I, I can't hear Dave. Yeah. Hello. I'm back. Yeah. There was a there was a bit of dead air right there. What happened? My all of my everything in my house is connected to the internet went kaput. Oh my goodness, boy! Don't you hate that? <laughs> Talk about stress level. I mean, that's well, that's. I'll tell you how much I hate it, but we're still recording, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll yeah there. i mean it's the type of stress we'll that you didn't that you didn't have 35 40 years ago it's when something goes wrong with your with your computer with your system with your software or something stress level just goes through the rough it's you know computer related stress is a huge huge um work day mm-hmm. problem in, in this day and age and yeah. it happens quick because who knows what to do to fix it i don't Anyway, I'm I, I, sorry that uh, I, and finishing up the Mr. Football Award were Adam Tonsfeld of Barnesville, quarterback safety. Um, many of these gentlemen I voted for in the uh, All-State team yesterday. So uh, all very, all very worthy. If I had to pick one, I would probably say that uh, it'll come down to a battle between uh, Feeney and Ratsoff for the, uh, the Mr. Football Award. And interestingly, I don't know how many people don't know this, but Mr. Basketball was the first Mr. Award in Minnesota. I think Minnesota was only the fourth state to actually have a Mr. Award. And that Gene Glenn won it in 1975. Mr. Football isn't nearly as well established as most people believe. Mr. Football didn't actually happen until 2004. Um, they didn't have a Mr. Football Award up until that point. A lot of people um, just assume that Mr. Football has been around as long as uh, the awards for other sports, but it hasn't been. And it's only been I think this would be the 16th uh, version of it, I, I believe. So. Oh, it's a it's a well. So, yeah. It's What's good that? To have it as, it's good to have it as part of the the whole 
I think it's it's an important word to have. So I'm glad they finally came around to offering it. Yeah, yeah, it is because uh, like I said the why it took so long makes no sense to me. Uh, it, it seemed like a like a no brainer when it was uh, when it was uh, first announced. But uh, and the first winner I remember voting on that was Nick Mertens at East Grand Forks in 2004. You know who else graduated in that same class with him? Uh, uh, Eric Decker at uh, mm. Recori. Come out of Recori, right? Yep. And uh, you look at it now, well, well, but Mertens is electric at East Grand Forks. You know, I remember that. I think he won led in the state championship and, and he was definitely deserving. I remember watching Mertens and Decker hooking up in the All-Star game at the end of the year and just thinking, wow, if those two could have played their entire careers together, what kind of a combination that would have had, that would have been. So that dates me a little bit, 2004. And I was actually doing the same thing I'm doing now. Well, hey, that's why we're two of the best to do it. We got the experience. We've been at it a while, and that's that's all right. That's a that's a good uh, that's a good distinction to have is is being a voice in preps. And uh, you've done a great job of carrying that flag for a long time. And I've been trying to do my part next to you. So hopefully, we'll continue on for as many more years as they'll give us. We've got a little bit more here. Um, we haven't talked any MSHSL business. Um, well, anything, we to, anything to impart to listeners on uh, that front? Well, just that the governor yesterday just kind of made reference that, that this is something that they're looking at is the question about reopening sports. And so just, you know, kind of a hat tip. Yes, they're aware and, and they should be aware and they should speak to it because it affects, you know, thousands and thousands of families throughout Minnesota that are, are very interested in, in getting their the, the young man or the young woman in their house uh, engaged in, in activities with their teams and their coaches uh, and, and done safely, of course, but, but, you know, just having the opportunity to do it, that's, that's, that's a real priority for people. And, you know, we'll see what kind of, uh, what, what kind of action is taken here, but, uh, but, you know, the governor is certainly aware of, of the value of, of being with your teams. We've got a little more than a week left of the pause. Any predictions on where we're going to be up come uh, December 19th? Well, I'm going to sound like a person in the high school league because they talk like this. So I guess if you're around people enough, you start to pick up their, their, you know, verbiage. But I think if you look at the rationale of why they, the governor put things on pause, uh, it was about, you know, bars and restaurants, gatherings. I don't think it makes a lot of sense then to lift that pause right as we're going into Christmas and New Year's. And so I think that that could remain intact as far as sports are concerned. Uh, if you gave the okay and high school league wanted to get started on the 21st, they could certainly do that. But you're just a few days ahead of Christmas Eve at that point. Then you've got that kind of weird week between Christmas and New Year's where generally not a lot happens. And then if you waited till the 4th of January, now you're completely in step with the districts that preemptively decided not to offer any kind of winter activities until January 4th at the earliest anyway. So I think it makes sense to bring it all together and start a January 4th. Um, that's if I had to, you know, commit to a position, that would be my position. But if, if you're listening to this and you're a student, if you're a parent and you know, a student, uh, of student athlete that is, and you want to get going December 21st, Hey, I wish you all the best. Uh, I'm just offering my opinion. You know, and, and my opinion on that is I agree with you. I don't understand um, the high school league's take on it as why everybody, everything has to be on hold until um, the first of the year if it need be. 
there is there, they they could if they so choose so chose I guess um, allow teams to have virtual practices beginning as soon as possible, um, and I'm not sure why they haven't done that at all. Given open the door for teams to say, hey, if you guys want to practice only virtually, only you know distance practicing, you know, come up with um, workout plans or or go over your your um, meet with the team a couple times a week. Meet with uh, you know come over your offense your what's your plan doing for defense, your, you know, how you plan on running the team. I think that that would be an avenue I, I would like to see the high school league maybe uh, open up or be receptive to, to, so that teams can actually get back together and do things productively. So if they do get back physically meeting uh, and having physical practices in early January, they can kind of hit the ground running. And that would make sense to me. And I'm, I'm kind of imploring the high school league to examine that avenue that nothing, you don't have to have a complete moratorium um, practices at this point, just physical gatherings. And you can do a lot more online. And I think that would, I think that would uh, benefit a lot of teams to at least have a chance to get together and go over what they're going to be doing this season. Makes sense to me. But again, of, my fair points. A lot of fair points in there. I, uh, I look forward to comparing notes to next week because we'll have a, uh, we'll have a picture, full picture of, of where I know you said there won't be a lot of drama, but we'll have a full picture of where kids signed uh, to play f- uh, football. And we'll have maybe a better inkling of, of what the, uh, the powers that be have decided on this, on this issue of, of when to get started with, with high school and, and youth sports. So much more to get, sink our teeth into next week. And uh, we'll be here and, and we hope you are too. Thanks for listening.